Hey, welcome to another episode of the Get More Students podcast. I'm your co-host, Alex Escher, and CEO of LearnCube. And I'm Herbert Gerzer. Uh, I specialize in digital marketing for language schools and education companies. Great to be here again, Alex. Absolutely. And what do we focus on today, Herbert? Ooh, a very uh, interesting topic. How to promote your student experience to get more students. That's right. And the reason that we are on this topic is because we've seen our fair share of websites that really just don't get this right, unfortunately. And yeah. actually, it really does them a huge disservice because they might be doing a fantastic job, but just not promoting and communicating what they do and how they do that. And the reason that we are talking about this is, and sort of why we're exposed to this is, I run a company called LearnCube and we specialize in helping online language and tutoring businesses to grow. Uh, with our virtual classroom and online school solutions. So this is something we are really exposed to. We work with a really wide range of companies in the space, including you know, Preply and Babbel and, and Ebo and some really best in class, uh, not just in terms of the experience, but also in their marketing. And so we, we have really sort of seen what works and what doesn't on our side. And, and Herbert, you have a similar kind of insight into this particular area. Absolutely. Well, you know, through my advertising agency, uh, you know, we help a lot of language schools and education companies uh, with their paid advertising to get more leads and enroll more students. And I can tell you, I have seen hundreds of language school websites uh, over the years. And the thing that the, the successful ones have in common are the points that we are going to talk about today. That's right. And what we decided to do was to go through 10 points that we felt were like good practical advice that you can really take away from this. And one of the things we were really sort of just to start this off was how how can we create really great pedagogical student experiences? Like that's, of course, the number one. But -hmm. also there are some aspects in the way that we do that. And I kind of want this to be a theme that we're kind of thinking about as you're listening is how can you kind of repurpose that, that, that great pedagogical experience and how can you repurpose that and to promote your tutoring company or your language school? Yeah. Uh, because they don't have to, they're not oil and water at all. Like they can really work well together. So our top 10, uh, let's go through them one by one and then we'll give a little summary at the end. Sure. How's that sound? Sounds good. So first one. Uh, promote the end goals, not just describe the, the way <laughs> to deliver the student experience. So, again, the, the number one thing that we can suggest is when you've, uh, when you focus on the student experience, promote the end goals. And what do we mean Absolutely, by that? Absolutely, yeah. Um, you, you really want to sell the dream, you know, is it's, it's not to go from A1 to A2 in English, it's to pass that English exam so that you can get into uh, a university in Canada to immigrate to a different country to get that job promotion and and that's kind of what you need to focus on and that's what students are thinking about uh, when they learn a language uh, it's not to you know go from 100 uh, vocabulary words to a thousand uh, or anything like that so you know focus on those big hairy goals uh, the, the emotional goals that um, will really get uh, students' emotions. I agree. And it, and it really does depend on which level you're at with your student or your, your audience, right? So your audience right. 
might not have, not know you at all. So you really have to talk at that high level. What are the high level goals mm-hmm. that you know are relevant for those students, those prospective students? If you go down a level, they've gone to your website, they kind of know you a little bit, then you can kind of bring that down to how are you going to get that promotion or how are you going to get, um, and it could be a smaller goal. It could be a level that, that opens up a new opportunity. Mm. But again, you've got to know which level you're at. So at a landing page level, it's definitely going to be your highly emotional, higher level goals that you know that you can kind of capture their emotions on. Mm-hmm. Whereas the more, pe- like, for example, if people are c- clicking into further pages, you can be a bit more detail oriented about what that might look like and feel like at each part of that experience. Exactly. What I would also say, though, is this is not something that just stays with the getting the students through the door. I think that's also ongoing, like even inside the student experience, you should be a promoting the high level goals that keeps Mm. them motivated, but also really communicating what is the competency, what's the skill, what's the outcome that you're going to be getting out of this particular lesson, not just. Um, hey, we're going to learn how to do modal verbs, you know, like, <laughs> or, or hey, we're going to do, figure out like there's one particular aspect of trigonometry. Like that's also not particularly interesting. No. So again, how can you apply this? It's going to be uh, you know, advantageous to that person. Exactly. So that's number, number two, two, Alex. <laughs> number two is to use imagery and video that evokes emotion. So ah, making it one of my favorite topics. <laughs> Now, Herbert, you talk about this beautifully, so I'm going to hand over the mic. Absolutely. I mean, if anyone's listened to uh, any of our webinars or tuned into podcasts, I probably sound like a broken record when I say, please always use authentic photos and videos uh, on your website, in your social media, in really any marketing material. You you need to show real students and real teachers because in order to make that connection with a potential student, they need to see themselves in your ads on your website. Um, and by using student testimonials, uh, videos of your online courses or your in-person courses to really showcase you know, what a student is going to experience once they pay for a course and sign up, um, you want to always use clear faces, happy emotions, uh, smiling, laughing. And, you know, if you, if you're able to do so, uh, go outside, uh, you know, having outside picks of extra correct curricular activities, uh, is always a good way to boost engagement. I really like that. And it feeds quite nicely from the first, um, tip. Why? Because again, imagery is about that end goal. So when you're showing positive emotions, you're showing the end goal of confidence, exactly. of uh, you know, achieving something, that sense of satisfaction. So those are all the emotions that you might want to elicit from your video and audio uh, and, and imagery. Uh, one of the other things I'd like to back up there is authentic imagery. And we've, again, when we do our webinars and kind of we do our Q&As, this often comes up. It's like, how do I get these authentic images? <laughs> I would encourage you to kind of look through our YouTube channel or in, our, in, in this particular podcast, for example. We're, we're certainly going to be talking about how to go about that. But one of the nice things about them being hard to get is it makes them way more believable, right? Like, mm. if, it, if it looks real and authentic, it kind of 
already is signaling to the to the to the viewer of this image or video like oh wow they must have at least <laughs> convinced this one general you know like person that looks looks and thinks like like I do yeah. um, they don't look like a model they don't look like they've had to pay for this <laughs> that, that already tells me a lot about the service that I'm wanting to to take part in so really Absolutely. I think a great point there so use imagery and video that evokes emotion number three was to make the process, I've said make it seem easy. So whether that be the process of payment, of scheduling classes, of getting into classes, of using technology or whatever it might be, making that seem easy is, I think, an important, um, possibly a vital aspect of selling online tuition and whatever subject you might be mm. serving. What are your thoughts on making it easy, Herbert? Right. I mean, obviously, it it has to be easy as well. You know, that that uh, student registration process or enrollment process needs to be as user friendly as possible, um, seamless, uh, only a couple of clicks. Uh, and if it is that, then you need to show that um, to, you know, prospective customers, whether that be you know, how easy it is to schedule in your classes. You know, we have the scheduling tool on our platform. Show that. You know, show that on your website, on your social media, in your videos, or um, how flexible it is to and easy it is to cancel or reschedule classes, whatever that is, um, show it in diagrams. That's a great way of kind of outlining your process, maybe one, two or three steps, um, as well as short videos. Yeah. So make sure that your diagrams are not a page long with lots of arrows going in different directions. Um, I think sort of three to five points is definitely all you want, keeping them really nice, short, concise descriptions, maybe only a couple Mm -hmm. of words each. Again, not massive descriptions, otherwise it'll clutter up the page and make people less likely to kind of read it. Um, And then using consistent iconography that makes it feel like, oh, yeah, I'm joining a professional service here. So just a couple of tips there on making it seem easy. Number four, using checklists. So those beautiful little um, tables with the ticks next to them, why do they work? Why do they work? Because uh, it appeals to the logical side of the brain and you know, people, when they're making, when they are making purchasing decisions, they need to know, you know what is it that I'm actually getting for this. You know, we've appealed to the emotional side with great imagery and video and, um, you know, focusing on the end goal. But, you know, when they go down the page, they see the price of the course. They want to know, okay, you know, this course is $199. What am I actually getting? Five hours a week of, of lessons, native speaking teacher, um, schedule, uh, reschedule your classes for free, whatever that is, you know, put that in a checklist, uh, not too long, um, but the main, uh, the most valuable uh, features of your service or your course um, have it in a nice little checklist at the end. And I think you can approach it in a couple of different ways, and it depends on where the reader is in their journey. So mm. if they're just new to your service, make it a short list, no more than five mm. points probably. Yeah. Um, make sure you mix it up with things they need to know and then plus at least one or two things that are different and unique about you. Sure. And then I think if you are, if they're further down the line, particularly maybe even a pricing page sometimes, I think longer lists can work quite well 
because you've already gone through like all of that process mm. of figuring things out, and it's like a validation of like, hey, these are all the things I'm going to get right. with this button to pay. Yeah. So that's probably the one of the occasions where, or if you're you know in a sales process and you're kind of like pretty close to getting them over the line, if they just need something like almost seeing lots of items in that <laughs> particular moment can be a nice way for people to feel really confident about that they're getting a good deal. Exactly. So that's on using checklists, number four. Number five is compete on service rather than price. And I I think at this moment, we're really talking to anyone that's not a big box um, tutoring or or language provider. um, Mm. Most of us are unable to compete on price, so we need to compete on other factors. And I've said service here, but really I'm talking about that personal aspect. The more personal you can make something, the more people can be are generally prepared to pay and, and feel good about paying a premium for it's it's not a bad thing to pay more for something as long as they feel that they're getting something for it. Mm. Um, do you want to tell me a little bit of the ways that this can kind of play out, Herbert, from what you've seen? Right. Uh, you know, one thing I think we we've talked about is you know having offering smaller classes, um, yeah. not having I don't know ten ten people in one class, having that more personalised experience. Uh, you can then, uh, it, it's much easier to showcase that as well, to maybe record the class and, and share it on, on your website or social media, um, but also get uh, students to engage engage with you. I agree. And I, I think it's definitely a point that's been hot on my sort of area. As LearnCube provides a virtual classroom, we've obviously, <laughs> and particularly with COVID, we saw very large group classes initially. Mm. Now we're seeing, you know, the average being sort of close to what we even started with, which is that sort of six to eight. If it's if it's a if it's a group class, and again, the the we're also seeing very large companies go even further. Like, how can we provide four in a class, five in a class? Okay. Um, And and one of the reasons is people associate the fewer the people, um, then the more time they're going to have to practice. Right. And and I think they associate also, particularly in language education, practice with advancement Mm. and also probably confidence and lack of embarrassment like if you've got a very large class either you're completely ignored in which case you don't maybe get that value or you're with a whole bunch of you know strangers that you just have no real connection with yeah and it can be quite intimidating then to have to say something in front of 20, 20 people. <laughs> yeah, particularly because you're going to be on, on the spot probably mm. during the entire episode, right? Like if you're in a session and it's a 60-minute session with 12 people, what's that, like yeah. five minutes each max, um, even if it was like evenly distributed? But it does mean that they're probably like not going to say anything for 19, probably 99% of the time, and then suddenly they're going to have their one moment to shine, and it's mm. like that pressure feels on and yeah, it's not working out. So um, yeah. I, I do think compete on that service and price. One of the things we didn't also mention, but is going to be important in number 10 as well um, later on. So listen in, um, but it's just really how you promote, um, particularly if you're small, like how you kind of create that connection to being more personal um, and a more boutique kind of, you know, people again, they, they pay more for, for things that seem scarcer. Yeah. Uh, or more exclusive or, or more unique. Now let's move on to number six, which is focus on one story 
on one page or one story at a time. And one of the reasons we put this in is the number of websites, particularly um, I'm going to point out physical language schools here, <laughs> are determined to tell six stories in one page. And it's really hard, to, particularly on a landing page, to get somebody to, to take any action when they're kind of confused by the potential options. That options, yeah. yeah. Herbert, you're, again, go back to your 300 web pages <laughs> last month. Um, tell me uh, where, you, where you sort of see this. Right. I mean, when it comes to running ad campaigns, uh, you know, we are, we're, we're di- directing people to, you know, when they click on an ad to oh, the website or a landing page. And usually, uh, you know, what works best is having a landing page that really only has one offer, one message and one call to action. We call it the the rule of one, and so there is no confusion for the uh, website visitor. They know, you know, they they saw in an ad intensive English course twenty hours a week. They click, they go to this landing page, they see intensive English course twenty hours a week, and all the information is there, um, the benefits, the features, the price, and a clear next step for them, whether that be to do the level test, to register, enroll in the course, or to fill out a contact form. And we've seen that work best in really directing the traffic um, towards a, a, you know, that main product that you're trying to push. Yeah, so keep that focus. Uh, the next item we have, number seven, is to orchestrate, orchestrate the crowd, or orchestrate <laughs> your crowd, as we say. Um, so keeping it social. So how can you absolutely? Um, and this was particularly my point on how can you repurpose some really great pedagogical student experiences and emotions, right? Um, tell me about your feelings on on and even just a couple of tactics as well, Herbert. On how do you get your your crowd, your students, your community to to back you and tell kind of get them you. engaged, right? I mean that's the kind. Of, Referrals and word of mouth is is fantastic. You know, it's free marketing and you need to encourage it. And the way that you can encourage that is by having user generated content or UGC. So content generated by your students or your teachers. Um, it the fantastic thing about it is it's free and it's authentic. And you can do this by uh, possibly having a custom hashtag, like I, I see a lot of companies or schools that have a hashtag that is only for for them, and they promote it in their classes on their website, and you know tell students, hey, when you post something, you know post post it with this hashtag. Um, also, incorporating social media into the classroom. It's a part of people's everyday lives. They're on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, TikTok every single day for hours. So why not? use a little bit of class time for them to create their own videos about stories, about historic events, about whatever they are learning um, in the classroom. And you can also post that uh, online or on your social media in a, in a story. You could even go live on Instagram uh, or Facebook and really show uh, you know, uh, other people out there and your followers what the a class experience is like. Um, so there are so many ways of doing that 
these days. And uh, yeah, user-generated content really is a savior for a lot of schools because then they don't need to come up with ideas and invest a lot of time in creating that content themselves. You you kind of plant the seed with the with the students and your teachers and your staff, and then it flourishes from there. Really good point. So I feel there's definitely an episode just in that. So I have to keep <laughs> definitely. Um, and yeah, if you continue, if you're near that subscribe button, please make sure you, you hit that. And uh, looking forward to, to hearing more from you soon. But let's go on to number eight, which is to use free trials. Um, mm. I think let's let's use a caveat here. Free trials are fantastic if you've got fairly qualified leads coming <laughs> to your landing page. They are an absolute waste of money if you do not qualify the people that are coming to those free trials. So almost again, I think we could do an entire episode just on free trials and how to do them well. But I really encourage people to use it as part of their repertoire, um, but use it only when you're getting the right kinds of people that are in a position to buy and are using that as a way of, of, it's a buying decision. Mm. Rather than it being like, hey, let's get some free try or free stuff. <laughs> the number of people that just click on something in Facebook and then they just have no idea what they click. Mm. It's like autopilot, they were bored, who knows? Yeah. But getting the right people to those free trials is very important. Now that's number eight. Number nine was to make it tangible. And what we mean by this is to make your make the outcome tangible so certificates can be a, a nice way of doing that now some people i mean even on our platform might ask you know hey do you do certificates well, one thing i would really recommend is make your own certificates make them it costs like what well literally five bucks on fiverr probably to get a nice certificate template that you can um, make really your with your own branding and make it sort of a a beautiful expression of what the student has accomplished um, and maybe you personalize it because if you make it good enough for people to share, or maybe you can also share the exactly that user-generated um, content. I was thinking there, there have it, like how can you maybe tie those two things together? And then it's like, hey, when I'm, I'm, I'm not just going to see a print of, you know, I have achieved a level, but maybe I can see myself, um, you know, with a big smile on my face and, and an achievement um, right next to it. Uh, I have one client that, that does this really well. They, uh, have, I mean, when they were doing in-person classes, they, they had real printed certificates and then they would take photos of all their students or you know, one individually or in, in, in pairs in front of a wall with yeah. their logo and with pictures of all of the other students yeah. behind it. And we use them for the ads. Amazing. You know, yeah, and, and what so people can see what 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 others are achieving, and they they know. Oh, you know, if I go with this school, that will be me. I mean, there's just wins for everybody there, right? So it's a win for the school. Um, also, if I'm let's say I'm employing this person that's gone through this particular school or done uh, attended this particular tutoring academy, if I you know look at the website and there's literally all of these great kids or great people. Um, with certificates, big smiles on their face. You know, I'm also going to have a lot more faith in trusting oh. the certificate itself, and I'm going to have a lot more faith in, yeah, in the organisation and, and and the person that's sort of coming to me if I'm an employer or, or or for any other reason. So a lot of reasons why that's great idea, and you're giving a student basically the podium to make themselves feel good, which is totally totally appropriate if they've done the work. 
absolutely. So yeah, make it tangible. Uh, um, one of the other things you can do is not just make it tangible at the end, but make it tangible for every class. Uh, so there might be other ways that you can do this, but for example, in LearnCube, we have like a, a class review um, feature, which basically saves all of the notes for the class, and you can kind of basically give the link with everything on there. So there's a product, there's an outcome at the end of that lesson that that person can review. And I do feel it's a little bit overlooked. Like, how mm. can I create the notes and the work that we've done together in a format that somebody can review at a later point? If there's no effort put in there and it's really hard to review that, it's not going to be reviewed. But also, it's probably not going to be shared or opened. Uh, so even just uh, encouraging your, your, your tutors to spend just a moment to give an outcome, a product, uh, something tangible for their student to kind of go away with and work and I think is another another useful tip. Number Fantastic. 10, though, is our last one, which is uh, if you're small, own it. And mm. let's talk about that, Herb, because we talk to a lot of small businesses as well. And they don't know, hey, what am I, you know, how can I be different and unique? And there's a pretty obvious answer. So tell me, Herb, what do you think on this particular point? <laughs> yeah, I mean, a lot of people think, especially one person, tutoring companies or language schools think you know, you know they have no chance up against these big uh you know box schools uh language learning platforms with millions of dollars behind them but uh that's not not the truth uh i know i have clients that are doing extremely well and they have done that because they've found a niche and they are very pre they they make themselves the face of their school um, and they become kind of like the authority in that niche. You know, if you want to pass your Cambridge exam, oh, go to go to her or go to him, you know, at, at his language school, because that's exactly what he does. Yeah. And um, yeah, you can really own your space by putting out valuable content, uh, authentic content of yourself you know it's always good to uh you know show how you can help students um and not just have a logo on the on the website um as your kind of online presence uh, i know it takes a little bit of uh courage um to to get over that barrier of being in front of the camera um i speak to a lot of uh you know uh, one person language schools that are nervous about doing that, but I can tell you it really pays off. That makes total sense to me, um, and we see and we see it working all the time. So uh, let me just go through those ten tips again. So promote end goals. Use imagery and video that evokes emotion. Number two, three, make it seem easy. Number four, use checklists. Five, compete on service, not price. Number six, focus on one story. Seven, orchestrate your crowd. Eight, use free trials. Nine, make it tangible. And ten, if you're small, own it. So those are our, those are our tips for you today. Uh, thank you so much for listening. And uh, Herbert, we always have a lot of fun putting these together. Absolutely. <laughs> Every week we're aiming to provide insights, inspiration and motivation to help 
online language schools and online tutoring companies to really succeed and get more students and really advance their mission. So if you want to hear more, please hit that subscribe button right now and get a brand new episode to your door every week. Great. See you in the next one. See you next one.